Hi, my name's Matt, and this is a podcast about life after the coronavirus vaccine. Welcome to episode 61. A few episodes ago, I mentioned I was reading a book called The Hidden Spring, A Journey to the Source of Consciousness by Mark Solms. And this week, I got around to finishing it. First thing to say is, it's a pretty science-heavy read. It's not going to be up everyone's street. I found it pretty hard going at times, although Overall, the payoff was worth it, as I took so much away from it, which is what I want to give this episode over to. I want to share some of the things from it that I found interesting, insightful, and often very helpful too. Partly because, quite selfishly, in writing and recording this episode, I will have to work to articulate and better remember what I took away. But also because I think some of what I found useful might also be useful to you too. And you can avoid perhaps reading all that science. Psalms describes himself as a neuropsychologist. And He has spent his career in science dedicated to understanding consciousness and, well, it shows. Perhaps it might be helpful to start by allowing Psalms to summarise himself, in his own words, with the closing two paragraphs of the book. Feeling is a precious inheritance. It carries within it the wisdom of the ages, an inheritance that extends backwards over the eons to the beginning of life itself, when homeostasis eventually gave rise to feelings. The crux of this new capacity was that it enabled us to know how we are doing within a biological scale of values. Feelings entrain predictions that are grounded in the accumulated experiences in situations of biological significance of literally all our ancestors. Feelings enable us to do what is best for us, even as we do not know why we do so. I have asked you before to imagine what would happen If each of us had to learn afresh which foodstuffs contained high-energy supplies and if we had to discover for ourselves what happens when we jump off cliffs. Due to the unbidden feelings that attract us to sweetness and make us avoid heights, we just know, at a first approximation, what to do and when. For example, we know what to do when babies cry, predators attack, or frustrating obstacles get in our way. This innate knowledge, which is conveyed to us explicitly only in the form of feelings, is what makes it possible for us to survive in the highly unpredictable worlds that we do. 
where motor vehicles hurtle around us and carbon dioxide fills the air. So as we relinquish the familiar illusion that consciousness flows in through our senses and the misconception that it is synonymous with understanding, let us take comfort in the fact that it actually comes spontaneously from our innermost interior. It dawns within us even before we are born. At its source, we are guided by a constant stream of feelings, flowing from a wellspring of intuition, arising from we know not where. Each of us individually does not know the causes, but we feel them. Feelings are a legacy that the whole history of life has bestowed upon us to steal us for the uncertainties to come. The book lays out in great detail, if you choose to dig in, how we, as human beings, we are self-organising systems. We keep ourselves existing by having a model of the world, our thoughts and our memories, which we constantly test against the world as it actually is, in an attempt to reduce the difference between how we see the world and how it actually is. Our feelings are the guidance systems which tell us how we are doing in that endeavour to survive. And so that leads me to the thing which, for me, is the thing I have most strongly taken away from reading this book. The idea that for a feeling to be a feeling, it has to be felt. And therefore, we have to be aware of it. We have to be conscious of it. And that is the source of consciousness. Psalms gives lots of details of the way that happens in the brain with systems across the various parts of our inner and outer cortex all converging on one small part of the brainstem, which is probably some science I have butchered in an attempt to simplify it. But you get the gist. And anyway, the parts of the brain where it all happens is an interesting detail, but nothing quite so interesting to me, at least, as that fundamental realisation that to feel, we must be conscious. Feelings have a purpose, and therefore consciousness has its purpose, allowing us to test our models of the world against the world as it is, and get back the response we need to make adjustments, either to our model or to our actions in the world. Feelings announce needs, and they will only disappear from consciousness when the need they announce is met. Broadly speaking, when our model of the world matches the world as we experience it, as it unfolds in front of us and as we act within it, then we feel good. When the world is different from the model we have of it, we feel bad. And the more different they are, the worse we feel. That got me thinking about the past two years. About how much we have had our models of the world challenged and changed. The world has shown itself to be so very different from the model we had of it. Not just often, 
but by huge amounts too. And so it is no wonder that so many of us, and I very much count myself as one, have experienced this intense period of instability and all the negative emotion that comes with spotting those huge gaps between our ideas of the world and its reality. There have been positive emotions too, when we have figured things out, made the world make sense again, closed the gap between the model and reality. But those moments also often found themselves upended again. It has made me appreciate in a new way just how fundamentally challenging the past two years have been and made me appreciate in a new way just how grateful I am to have made it through. Not despite all the mental bumps and scrapes along the way, but precisely because of them. All those awful feelings and those emotional lows were needed in response to the world as it was, to guide us to action and to revise our models of the world so that we can still exist within it. It's quite a wonderful thing, really. Back to the book and back to feelings, because Psalms reminds us that we can't feel all our needs at once. They have to be ranked and prioritised. I'm going to let Psalms put this in his own words because they're way better than I could manage. So in the words of Jennifer Aniston, here comes the science bit. Needs cannot all be felt at once. They are prioritised by a mid-brain decision triangle where current needs, residual prediction errors quantified as free energy, converging on the periaqueductal grey, are ranked in relation to the current opportunities, displayed in the form of a two-dimensional saliency map in the superior colliculi. This triggers conditioned action programmes, which unfold in expected contexts over a deep hierarchy of predictions, the generative model of the expanded forebrain. The actions that are generated by prioritised affects are voluntary, which means they are subject to here and now choices, rather than pre-established algorithms. Such choices are felt in the exteroceptive consciousness, which contextualises affect. The choices are made on the basis of fluctuating precision weighting, aka arousal, modulation, postsynaptic gain of the incoming error signals that are rendered salient by prioritised needs, while they are buffered in working memory with the aim of minimising uncertainty, maximising confidence in a current prediction as to how the need can be met. This is reconsolidation. As Freud said, Consciousness arises instead of a memory trace. Reliably successful choices result in long-term adjustments of sensory motor predictions. Thus, exteroceptive consciousness is predictive working in progress, the aim of which is to establish even deeper, more certain, less conscious predictions 
as to how needs may be resolved. This long-term consolidation and the transition from declarative to non-declarative memory systems requires reduction of complexity in the predictive model to facilitate generalizability. We aspire to automaticity, absolute confidence, but we can never achieve it completely. To the extent that we fail, we suffer feelings. Since we never achieve errorless prediction, the default drive when all is going well is seeking. Proactive engagement with uncertainty with the aim of resolving it in advance. When this affect is prioritised, it is felt as curiosity and interest in the world. That, to me, is the beauty of this book. That it has come at a time when, in my CBT sessions, I have been focused on understanding my feelings is perhaps just a fortuitous alignment. CBT has been helping me to work on allowing my feelings to exist, helping me not to see them as inconvenient things to be pushed down or pushed away, but also not allowing them to be grabbed hold of by cyclical thought patterns and run away with. CBT has been helping me instead to see my feelings as signals from my body about how things are going. And this book has helped me understand that more deeply and to realise, in fact, that it is this process of feeling that is at the very heart of consciousness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. You can find the podcast on social media at Life After Vax, V-A-X on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to reach out for a more meaningful connection, you can drop me an email. Hi at LifeAfterVax.com Until next time. Thank you.